okay, you know, maybe what older people want is just really give back to the community, regardless of their physical and cognitive abilities, they have something to offer. So that's how I created Ibasho. Silver Adventures is a content and technology company dedicated to improving the lives of older adults through immersive virtual reality experiences. And this podcast is our opportunity to hear from industry experts, thought leaders, and passionate individuals to share with you their knowledge, expertise, and experiences. Welcome to the Aged Care Enrichment Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. My name is Ash Deneef and I hope you're having a great week wherever you are. We've had a big week at the podcast after releasing our first panel episode last week on activities planning, which was a whole heap of fun to record and it's been great to see a positive response from you guys on it. But for today, we've got a really interesting guest. We're interviewing Emmy Kiyota. Emmy is an aging design expert and self-described environmental gerontologist. She's also the founder of Ibasho, a not-for-profit organization that helps older adults create sustainable and socially integrated communities, and it places elders and their values at the heart of these communities too. She's helped build a few of them, including in locations such as Nepal, the Philippines, and northern Japan, which we talk about in this episode. Emmy's work is all about empowering older adults to continue contributing to society, and it was great to hear her explain the concept of Ibasho and why interdependent communities are the future of care. Before we get to the interview, I just want to say, if you've recently started listening to the podcast, there's a whole back catalogue of interviews you can check out. And now I try not to play favourites with the guests, but I do always like to recommend the episode Dementia Beyond Behaviour with Dr. Al Power as a great one to go back to. So if you haven't scratched your aged care enrichment itch after this episode, you can check out that one too. Anyway, for today, we hope you enjoy this conversation with Emmy Kiyota. Emmy, thanks for joining us on the program today. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And uh, could we start with a bit of your background? And, and I believe that you're an environmental gerontologist. What, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> Very good question, actually. Um, so environmental gerontologist, um, I must say, when I was done with my PhD, there was no such a thing as environmental gerontologist. But I studied architecture, but I focused on aging. That's where my graduate school program was throughout. And uh, when I was done with my, it was just graduate work, um, people were asking me, so what did you study? I said, well, I studied architecture, but very specialized on aging. You know, I was talking about it. And at one point, someone said, oh, so you're environmental gerontologist. And I said, that sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I started to use environmental gerontologist. Uh, But basically, my background is in architecture. I studied architecture, but it's very specifically on aging and how design process can be changed. That was my interest. And my, my interest is always being that how can we bring users into a conversation of design process. So I wanted to study about it. If we could do it for the older population who's normally don't have a critical voice about the design for their own places. Yeah, it's fantastic and, and a unique lens on the issues of aging. So you worked on architecture, you studied architecture, and then after that you specialized in how that can be applied to an aging population. Is that right? 
No, um, I, my graduate program throughout, I took architecture. That was my degree, but I had minor or emphasis. Mm -hmm. So my thesis and dissertations are always aging. Cool. That's all I studied. So I did not really study much about school design or high rise. Mm -hmm. I really specifically was interested in aging. And maybe just jumping to design here, you've compared environments to gloves and people to the hands yeah. before. What did you mean by this metaphor? I was told by one of my beloved professor, Jerry Weissman. Mm -hmm. I always have to give him a credit because he's just such a great mentor and he's such a great advisor in my graduate work. Um, so he was always using this metaphor of gloves and hands. When we design places um, for nursing home, for example, the building is a glove and really organization is a hand that moves, mm. you know, so just try to design gloves, which is a design of place. You have to be able to understand how hand moves. Otherwise it just doesn't fit. So we have to be able to understand the user, how they use that space and how operation mm. actually run the place but also to look at how elders themselves use that space and just try to create a better experience of the space rather than beautiful building that might not really give a sense of dignity or privacy or socialization. So he, I thought it was a brilliant way for him to explain to me um, because a lot of time we just like, when you're in architecture, you just look at the building and that's what you focus on designing it. And mm. forget about the fact that we are actually designing for users and users are not only operators, you know, this end users are elders. And what kind of experience that we want to bring by designing this glove so that the users feel that it's good fit with what they want to do. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and it's probably a challenge to, in some situations, to balance what's the user experience with what's the experience of people who are working there Yes, and trying to find the right sort of uh, something that's accommodating for everybody, right? Yeah. I think it's easier to design residential home because you have less people using it and their family most of the time. So mm. you, you understand how they want to use the space. But when you're in like hospitals and nursing homes and, you know, those public house, uh, public buildings, Lots of time, that is a place for elders to live. That is that the home, but mm. at the same time, that is a workspace for staff members. And then, from an operator's perspective, that is a place where they have to run <laughs> as an organization. So there are different interests coming into each other to one space where you have to design. So it's a balancing act for everything. We have done a very good job in the past to provide safety, to provide hygienic environment like hospitals, because we looked at the environment from the point of view of running organization in a safe way. We didn't pay enough attention to how we want elders to experience this in the best way. Um, so that's what I've been very much interested in bringing that, that into the conversation, just what does optimal experience feels like and look like from the elders and what can we do from the architecture point of view to make that happen. So does Chandarias do it 
or what does home like mean? It just, I always questioned、mm. about that. You know, this luxury, luxurious environment is going to make people happy, or what does home mean? It doesn't have to be luxurious, but there is a set of expectation and comfort that people get out of your home. And I think we have to spend a little more time really try to understand what it is.、Mm. I really like that. As you phrased it there, that we've spent a lot of time thinking about the operational needs of a home, <laughs> of a care facility, but, but not so much on the home aspects of it. Is the only way to get that approach by talking to people who are going to be living there? I think there are two critical directions of efforts that we have to go through. You know,、um, I think designers. Have to be able to accept the fact that we don't know everything. So we just have to learn to say, we just have to ask elders what's good and we、mm. bring our creativity to solve the problem rather than saying, I can come up with the most beautiful design. You know, just like designing perfect place is for whom? You know, you might be able to design most beautiful place that make you feel happy. But if it's, is that really perfect place for users? Maybe not.、Mm. Who are we designing? I think we have to educate the designer's perspective. And also, we have to empower older people to be able to say, this is what we want. It is just, it's a simple thing, but it is hard in a society because a lot of elders are so conditioned for a long time that we are too old to say something. We have to be a cute, Grandma, <laughs> don't <laughs> complain. And people are actually simply afraid of retaliation if they said something that is not grateful. So it is hard for them to really come out and just say, This is what we want. Because you know, our ageist way of thinking pushed them into certain mindsets. So we really have to just help them to come out from like their own ageism thinking, actually.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And, and something you've been doing, your work in Ibasho, is、mm. really empowering older people to speak up and to create communities that they're excited about.、Yeah. Can you talk to us about Ibasho? What does Ibasho mean, first of all? Yeah. So I was born and raised in Japan and lived there for almost 30 years before I moved to the US. By the way, I'm Japanese and living in America.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm still Japanese.、Mm-hmm. But、um, so Ibasho is a Japanese word. It is a place where you feel at home being yourself. I really like that terminology because when I was in the graduate school, I was always taught that we should design place like home like environment or home environment for the older people. And I was thinking home means so different, especially someone like me, born and raised in Japan, like any place in the US and an apartment. It's not going to be my home. It is very、mm. different. So I feel like, and also that the nursing home, it's not going to be at home for lots of older people. It is a place to live, but calling it home to me, I feel like we are falling ourselves by saying it and just making us feel better to say we are designing home like environment.、Mm-hmm. Ibasho to me, it is a permanent and also a temporary. Sort of concept or place where you feel at home. So it could be like a chair, it could be somewhere that you create your own space. It doesn't have to be a whole house or just a space where you go there, feel like, oh, this is at home. That makes me feel at home. To me, that was much more 
achievable goal and ibasho to me it was the right word but at the same time ibasho means that you have to have your hands into creating the space that's not something that people can automatically receive yet because you kind of have to you know bring your chair or you just create something so that makes it your own place and i feel like being involved in the design process i was quite struck by the fact that we don't listen to elders and ask elders what they want <laughs> much i really wanted to challenge me and also elders to ask and just try to wait until they tell me what they want because i think if i were to ask you question that how you want your old age life is like it's hard to articulate mm -hmm. isn't it you know yeah. what you don't like <laughs> but it's hard to articulate and that means that we just don't think about it you know just conscious enough so yeah ibasho i wanted to really sit down and ask elders what they really wanted and how i can help the kind of things that they always already wanted to do <laughs> so that's how i started to work on because i feel like uh, when i was working on designing nursing homes and hospital we think about like oh we have to look after older people because we're nice people it's just it's really one way it's just like i'm a kind person we have to help elders but at the mm. same time when you go home your mom wants to make tea and do i want to say mom you old sit back i would just make one for you mm. and my mom feels like oh i'm old so i don't i can't do it and i feel like that's how we condition elders so i feel like if mom wants to do it that makes her happy <laughs> let her do it and mm. that's how i feel because in the nursing home there are lots of older people i thought before I moved into nursing home, I, I lived in nursing home for three weeks for my graduate school. I thought, oh, 85 years old can do it. <laughs> I can do it for a few weeks. And it was really toughest experience, I have to say, because you have to follow the structure that they tell you what to do. And it just, you kind of have to give up on all kinds of control. But I thought that older people had much more frailty Yet, uh, when you meet, when I met them, they were so wise and they were just, they had a fall of experience in their life. But I feel like we're not serving justice for them because we're busy trying to help them without asking how they want to contribute to help me out. So that's how Ibasho actually started. That's great. And asking those questions and having that attitude led to creation of several communities around the world, right? So in Northern Japan, can you maybe talk, tell us about the community in Northern Japan that you helped build? Yeah, that building was actually the first project that we did. We founded in Washington, D.C. 10 years ago. It was way before disaster happened in Japan. It was more than 10 years ago, actually. So when the earthquake hit and tsunami happened um, because I'm from Japan. I, I really wanted to help them, but I didn't know what to do. And we had the funding from the US and said, you know, we want to help elders. So we decided, um, I think it was 11 months later, I went to Northern Japan that was badly hit by a tsunami. The location why I chose was that one of my friends runs nursing home. So I wanted mm. to 
also help her community too. So I went there and spoke to the elders and said, you know, just sit down. We, we have sat down in temporary housing communities and older people. And what we found out was that older people wanted to do something rather than being helped. You know, I met 85 years old woman who are at this tea event that people get, get together and it was about 50 years old, which is really young in the Japanese standard, mm-hmm. <laughs> was serving tea. And I was talking to this 85 years old woman, you know, for talking about such a black water, like tsunami came in and she just cannot sleep uh, with air conditioning sound because it's very similar to what she remembers. Mm. And she had, she was saying, you know, I'm so grateful that I have house and to live because of the temporary housing. I have food to eat and I have clothes to wear. Everybody helped us out. But it's been 11 months. What I want is to do something back to them. If I can write a letter, I will. But I don't know how to do it. So that's why I got an idea of what can I do to empower her. And just those wishes are such a simple ones. But it was something that she couldn't solve. So I just wanted to say, okay, you know, maybe what older people want is just really give back to the community, regardless of their physical and cognitive abilities. They have something to offer. So that's how I created Ibasho. So that woman, and also there was a group of elders who resonated that idea, saying that, they are not for everybody because some people said, I just want to sit back and be served. <laughs> but <laughs> lots of elders actually wanted to have that opportunity to do something. And I remember one of the elders was saying that, you know, I was actually surprised because all these international people and just bring, they, they bring stuff. You guys didn't bring anything, but sit down and ask us what we wanted to do. To me, I took a compliment, of course, <laughs> like, sorry that I didn't bring anything, but, but I was really interested in how I could help them to do, to really empower them because I felt like based on my learning in a nursing home, elders wanted to do something. So I just kind of wanted to help. So that's how it started. So we applied eight principles of Ibasho. And uh, we created this place and we had very little budget, but people actually brought and donated lots of things to make that happen. You know, many people donated their time, whatever they brought from home. They still do that nowadays, but that's really, it is not for me. It is a place for elders and they decide everything. So they have mm. their own operation, not for profit organization. And the board members are all over the 75 years old and they run the whole thing. And so now they have, we started with cafe because that's what they wanted to create. They did not want nursing home. They did not want adult day center. They wanted like normal place where they can go and hmm. help young children. That grew from cafe to organic farm and they quickly realize organic vegetables they have to sell it so they started by weekly farmers market and they realized that oh we have leftover vegetables so they started the ramen noodle shop 
<laughs> and they do、uh, daycare for children, and you know, just whatever they could do as a community elders, and they're kind of running it. So, when you were asking those questions, and when they started experimenting with what they wanted to have in this community, was it kind of a case of anything goes? It's just what do you guys want, and and what will make you feel empowered? Was that the sort of spirit behind it? Yeah. So we had this like, Ibashu principle, which is like. It has to be multi generational. It has to be culturally appropriate. So we always said, in, and also we don't want make we don't want to make it as an institutional setting. So、mm. yeah, everything they think about is just always. It's not grandma's cafe for grandmas. They wanted to create grandma's cafe for young people, basically.、Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's really something they just try to do, and I'm just helping. I don't really have to do much these days because they are. I mean, older people used to be like school principals, and they used to work in the you know city halls, and so they write grants. Because when you retire from college professor, or school principal, it doesn't mean that you lose all your brain cell. You know, <laughs> just you just don't use it. But they know how to do it. So to me, it was a pleasant surprise. They exceeded. Everybody's expectation, but when we think about it, just like sure, of course, because they're all grown up, they have all this experience. Why can't they do it? You're listening to the Age Care Enrichment Podcast, brought to you by Silver Adventures, and we want to thank all of our listeners and subscribers, especially those people who've shared this podcast with a friend or colleague. Because of you, we've just entered the top fifty mental health podcasts on Apple Podcasts. And we're one of the fastest-growing health podcasts in Australia. We're looking to take the Age Care Enrichment Podcast to the next level by partnering with great organisations to showcase their message with our rapidly growing audience of aged care executives and people working within the industry. If you'd like to discuss what an advertising opportunity with our podcast can mean for your business, send us an email. We're at acepodcast@silveradventures.com.au. That's S I L V R Adventures. Remember, there's no E in there. Now let's get back to this week's guest. Yeah, awesome. So I'm, I'm guessing that sort of、uh, self sufficiency would be a feature of these communities as well. Yeah, I think if you get something easily, it just doesn't last that positive impact for a long time. But、mm -hmm. because our elders really work on it, so it really. Proud of themselves, so they do everything for self-sustainable way. Of course, they complain and said, "Oh, Amy, you make this、um, place, so I'm so busy. I'm just, I can't take a break." <laughs> and I said, "What are you gonna do if you didn't have this? You know, you can close it. It's, it's not my place. You can close it." And、mm. they were like, "Well, you know, someone's gonna have to do it." But to me, that gives a sense of responsibilities for in the right way. But I think. So sustainability is to me it is hard things, but it is a key for people, older people, to have a sense of pride. You know, some people say they were like Ibashu like cafe somewhere, and they were like, they're not self-sustainable. We make all this operation money. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it is a pride for them. Yeah, fantastic. And something that I really like about the Abasha concepts is that it's really about community, as you said, and it's about people doing it 
for themselves. I'm wondering what do you think can be achieved in a community setting that can't be with governments or with uh, a lot of money coming from private corporations? <laughs> what, what are the strengths of communities like this? Yeah, I have been actually struggling with one thing. It's just like try to help people to find positive role because, you know, again, we kind of condition, like our society condition us to think that other people, we have to go and help. Government has to go and help. So what can we actually help people to have a clear, positive role as an older person that taking you know, take, can take leadership role. So I started to think lately that I do care about climate change. I do care about aging. <laughs> can we just combine this and just like empower other people to take leadership role for environmental stewardship? That's not going to cost that much money because, you know, they know the community and, you know, where to plant trees, how to live more environmentally friendly way. Why can't we train elders to train their children or grandchildren so that they can have positive role and they can actually leave legacy behind. Uh, to me, it doesn't cost that much to begin with. And, you know, Ibasho was happened to be new constructions and people think it, it's expensive, but it is a concept we can actually work with existing community-based program. We can work with people through library. You know, it can be just, it's just a mindset we're talking about. It's just rather than just try to help elders, what can we do to empower elders to take a leadership role and being able to help others? I think that location-wise, that can be done anywhere. I, I really like as well that... Um that the work you're doing is positioned between full independence and full dependence. And it's mm. kind of building this network of interdependent people to help themselves. Do you think that this is a, a kind of a space that could expand over the coming years, this, this idea of independence, interdependence, I should say? Yeah, I think that society is going that way. I think maybe because of the COVID, I think things are changing. And also, I think our institutional care went you know, one way so far. And then yeah. we saw this, you know, limitation of visitation for the sake of safety. And, and then people realizing that who, who is in control of my life, how we want to live our life, really, what community means, you know, just we had a moment to be able to think like that, I think. So I've been hearing more and more that, People prefer community settings. People, you know, prefer walkable community where you see people, <laughs> you interact people. So maybe I'm hoping that uh, this interdependency concept is going to grow. But at the same time, it's it might be something, some place like Ibasho might be helpful because we are just not used to how to do it. So if mm. we have opportunity, it's just like people um probably willing to try it out if they could just plug in and try out. But if we have to start everything from scratch, it just gets a little difficult. So if I was hoping that, you know, people wants to stay at home means that people wants to be connected to the community. You staying at home means that you're going to be staying at home, not seeing anyone. That's not what aging in place is all about. So mm. if we can, if some place like Ibasho 
will provide you know some elders who are rather healthy and maybe educated middle income they don't really belong to a nursing home they don't belong to adult day center but they want to do something to others if ibasho can create the space where people can exchange the ideas and do the things that they want to do uh, together that i like to be I, i would love to be able to see that can you do that in australia <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I believe we can. And maybe something that would that help people, as you're saying, if there was a way to dip your toe into these ideas instead of having to build a new place from scratch. But maybe something that would help is, I know you mentioned there's eight principles of Ibasho. Could you give us a few of those and people can start to think about what it might mean? Yeah. So the first principle, it's just like, I've always feel like I'm repeating common sense, by the way, by saying these eight principles. You know, eight principle one is older people are valuable assets to the community. Mm. Principle two, creating informal gathering space to create the normalcy rather than institutional feeling. And com- principle three is community members drive development and implementation of the project. So we design, construct together, and they run and maintain the place where we, mm. we create. And principle four, it's all generations are involved in the community. The community is not homogeneous. <laughs> it's supposed to be multi-generational. Otherwise, it's not a community. Mm-hmm. Principle five, all residents participate in normal community life. So it is not like we are creating this place in the middle of nowhere. It's beautiful greenery, but it is no one comes. That's not the kind of place that we create. We want it to set this Ibasho activities in the middle of the community uh, where people can actually see what elders do. And principle number six, it's local culture and traditions are respected. Sometimes we forget all this local culture and traditions um, being significant if you live there for a long time. But that kind of tradition can get lost very easily if you don't pay attention. So that's one of the things that we do is to protect that. Principle number seven, communities are environmentally, economically, and socially sustainable. It is just to create resilience. I think we always deal with like environment sustainability and social sustainability separately, but those three are very highly integrated. So we just try to create this community. So everything they do is environmentally friendly and also is self-sustainable, so economically sustainable, and it's multi-generational, and it's very inclusiveness is something we practice, so that's socially sustainable. The mm. last one is um, growth of the community is organic and embrace imperfection gracefully. It is very Japanese. I'm not sure if you heard about wabi-sabi, which is a concept. It's um, real beauty based on the top of imperfection. So Japanese papers, mm. rice papers are beautiful because it is not uniformed. It has imperfection in it that gives you personalities. So we just try to say, you know, rather than waiting for the perfect moment to come, why don't we just start and enjoy the imperfection and take it as a, in, like a graceful way and enjoy it. Fantastic. That's a really nice idea there. Going back to what you were saying about you feel like you're repeating common sense a yes. lot. <laughs> I, I think that's something I'm hearing a lot on the podcast, talking to people. It's like, we don't have these ideas for adults who aren't older. 
you know, we expect that children and young adults will have intergenerational lives and they'll have a normal community. But for some reason, when we tick over a certain age mark, that expectation disappears, that understanding that's important. So I think it's great to to keep repeating those ideas because we need to change that idea that things are so markedly different after some important age. Yeah. Well, you know, I get questions like, so what is dementia design? And I'm like, when you really look down to the five elements of what we're talking about, good design is good for dementia. (laughs) And good design Mm. for dementia is good for everyone. So I really don't know if they have to even differentiate. And it's the same as multi-generational housing. It becomes like a, I hear a lot these days. And sometimes I wonder, because I like to, think about it a little bit deeper and I'm thinking so what's the difference between regular condo which is multi-generational or multi-generational house with that you know sign on it (laughs) sometimes we just have to question about our own preconceived notion and challenge that to say is it really normal (laughs) or like (laughs) are we fabricating too much (laughs) yeah well I mean we've covered a lot it's been really Great to talk to you about these ideas and about the work you're doing. Where can people find out more about Ibasho and your work? I think we have a website. It's www.ibasho.org and they can find me and our work. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Great. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Age Care Enrichment Podcast brought to you by Silver Adventures. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening. And if you're enjoying it, please leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. If you're interested in finding out how immersive virtual reality experiences can enrich the lives of older adults, visit the Silver Adventures website today at www.silveradventures.com.au. See you next week.